And I do see this as a cult that has permeated our entire society. And the biggest indicator of that might be how they are treated when they decide to detransition. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, September 1st. I'm Virginia Allen. And that was Chris Elston, also known as Billboard Chris, talking about the way in which the transgender movement, in his opinion, has become a cult. Chris travels throughout America and Canada having conversations with people on the street about the harms of gender identity ideology. Chris joins the show to discuss reports that Boston Children's Hospital and Children's National Hospital in D.C. are performing hysterectomies on minors. He also shares about the experiences of speaking with Americans and Canadian citizens about the harms of the transgender movement. Stay tuned for my conversation with Chris after this. Conservative women, conservative feminists, it's true, we do exist. I'm Virginia Allen, and every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to politics and policy. Plus, we bring you an exclusive interview with a problematic lawmaker or conservative activist every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. And we are also problematic on social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram. It is my privilege to welcome to the show Chris Elston. He is also known as Billboard Chris. Chris, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I know. I think this is going to be a great conversation. So for those who are not familiar with your story, share a little bit about what you do and why people call you Billboard Chris. So I'm just a dad from Vancouver, Canada, who got tired of all this gender nonsense going on in society, specifically the child abuse associated with trying to change the sex of children. Kids are getting puberty blocking drugs, the opposite sex hormones, and they're even getting surgeries to cut off body parts when they're still children. And I don't want to live in a world where this is happening. I don't want to send my girls off into a world that doesn't even know what a woman is. So I took a stand. And the first thing I did was I put up an actual billboard that said, I love JK Rowling. (laughs) following the lead of a woman named Posey Parker in the UK who had put up a poster at the Edinburgh train station that got taken down after one day because some people said it was hate speech to love the world's greatest children's author. And I got tired of this nonsense. I got tired of our speech being canceled and people getting in trouble just for telling the truth. So I said, forget this. I will back up Posey and I'll put up something in Vancouver. And I put up a big billboard that said the same thing. It also lasted one day. It got paint-bombed overnight, and then a Vancouver politician said it was hate speech, and they took it down. So I leveraged a bunch of outrage online into a little campaign, and I put up billboards all across America, and then because I couldn't even put up a sign in Canada anymore, none of the sign companies will work with me, I decided to become a billboard. (laughs) And so I had these signs made, and I just go out on the street, and literally the only way I could reach people was to talk to them Mm -hmm. one-on-one. So I'm just kicking it old school, having conversations out on the street, day after day, hour after hour, and I knew if I just didn't stop and took all the abuse and arrests and assaults and all the things I've been through, just keep going, 
that this can't help but spread yeah. because it's too crazy to last and the truth spreads for free. So that's what I'm out there trying to do. Yeah. So now we, we have some of your billboards here in studio with us and you walk around Canada, you walk around the United States and you have these one-on-one conversations as you have a billboard strapped to your front and one on your back. So they say things like this one here, dad, a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. Children cannot consent to puberty blockers. What is the reaction that you get from people as you're walking around? Let's start with positive reactions. What's the positive feedback that you get from people? Yeah, it's almost always positive. Mm -hmm. Honestly, more than 90% of the population. And I'm, I'm talking people from all walks of life, all ages, all political persuasions, they agree. Hmm. They get it. We shouldn't be sterilizing children. It's not that controversial. The Democrats are losing party members because of this specific issue. But a lot of people just don't believe what's happening because hmm. it honestly is too crazy to believe. Yeah. I don't blame them. So sometimes you got to come at this from a, you know, you got to come at it with a gradient. You can't go all in all the way. You got to kind of warm people up to the, more crazy things. But no, people get it and they support what I'm doing. The ones who don't support what I'm doing, I would say are less than 10% of the population. They're very aggressive and angry and they're trying to stop me at any cost, really. So you've had some pretty negative interactions out on the streets with people? Yeah, I've been assaulted more than 20 times. I've been arrested twice after getting assaulted. I've had my arm broken. I got attacked by Antifa on the streets of Montreal and got my arm broken by a traffic cone that a man kept swinging at my head and I kept blocking it. But the base on those things is pretty thick. So it got my uh, forearm. Wow. But no big deal. A broken bone is nothing compared to what's happening to all these kids. Yeah. Literally, literally, I mean that literally. It's nothing. I'll take another one any day because it helped me to reach millions of people. Well, and you have been just beating the drum on this for for so long, and you have a large presence on social media, and you use social media to really share with people what you're doing and what is happening in this world. Um, And you've recently um, shared some videos from Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, Boston Children's Hospital, they came out with a video advertising uh, gender um, reassignment surgeries. They call them gender-affirming surgeries for children. And uh, there was uh, a video that had one of the doctors, Dr. Frances Grimstad at Boston Children's Hospital, where she described gender-affirming hysterectomies. And this is when uh, surgeons remove most of a a female's reproductive organs. I want to play just a clip from that video for for our listeners to hear. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. And not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. So Chris, you shared this video on August 11th, and um, I do want to note that since that video gained attention, that gender-affirming hysterectomies no longer appears on the Boston Children's Hospital website as a service offered. 
what was your first thought when you saw these this video and kind of these videos from Boston Children's Hospital? I was excited because I know this stuff is happening mm -hmm. and my whole objective is to get the truth out there. But if I'm saying it, people can easily just discredit me. But when it's coming from the so-called experts themselves who work in the gender clinic, no one can deny it. And the reaction was immediate, swift, huge. I think the average Joe out there just thinks there's a bunch of kids who are having some struggles. And I think they get that, yeah, these gender clinics are doing some crazy things, mm -hmm. but they're trying to help these kids. And then they see what these people have to say. And there's several videos. They've deleted them all, but I recorded about 40 different videos before they deleted them. And these people are crazy. They are literally saying that if a little boy doesn't want to get his hair cut, that's a sign he's really a girl inside. Or if a little toddler girl tries to pee standing up, that's a sign she's a boy. They literally said that the toys a child plays with are a determining factor in their gender. And that they know seemingly from the womb that they are transgender. They can't define what transgender means, of course. They can't define what a woman means. They can't define what it means for a girl to be a boy. But these are the people running the show, cutting off body parts, giving experimental puberty blocking drugs and cross-sex hormones to children that leave them infertile. And half these kids, by the way, are on the autism spectrum. Hmm. These children's hospitals actually have partnerships with autism organizations because so many of those kids don't feel like they fit in. And this is kind of being presented as the solution for why they don't fit in and they obsess over it. And it becomes really hard for the parents to reach these kids, yeah. especially if they've been getting indoctrinated in school for months where schools are also hiding that they're socially transitioning kids from the parents. Mm -hmm. So these videos were really helpful to show the public exactly who's running these gender clinics. So as news is coming out, obviously, about Boston, then um, we also learn that Children's National Hospital here in Washington, D.C., um, is also maybe has a similar practice. There's uh, an independent journalist, essentially, Libs of TikTok, um, who reports very kind of radical left ideology um, and takes a lot of videos and content from, you know, what the left is saying and doing and just reshares that. Um, well, libs of TikTok, they called Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. and said, do you perform hysterectomies on 16-year-olds? And this was the conversation that was had. I want to play a portion of that. We have um, all different type of age groups that comes in for that. For the gender, for the hysterectomy? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Just out of curiosity, do you know, like, what's the youngest age you would do it on? I'm not sure, but I have seen younger kids. And I'm not, you know, either, so I'm not allowed to say that, but I have <laughs> seen younger kids, like, younger than your child's age. Get the gender-affirming hysterectomy surgery? Yes. Okay. Yes. So Children's National, they are now denying that they perform hysterectomies on minors, um, but you actually visited Children's National Hospital with your billboards um, in August. You stood outside. You were having conversations with folks. Talk a little bit about that experience and, you know, was the hospital aware that you were there? Did they ask you to leave? What what happened? Yeah, they were ready for us before we, we even got there. So some other staff from Heritage were there before us. 
but they had their own special police, they're called, ready to greet us. And mm -hmm. I was standing maybe two feet. I was on a sidewalk, but apparently I was two feet onto their property. And this police officer got very aggressive, definitely giving the vibe that he wanted to arrest me mm. if I didn't get off their property and move two feet to the north immediately. So, yeah, I don't know what they were expecting, but there's not a ton of foot traffic there. Yeah, A lot of car traffic does, of course, see us. And there are different places to go. You get different effects. So I think it's good to send a message to the hospital that we're here. Mm hmm because people coming into the hospital, staff coming into the hospital, they start talking hmm. and these conversations spread. Yeah. Cuz it's not every day they have a protest going on outside. Sure. And a lot of these physicians also are against this. They just have no idea what's going on hmm. because they're doing their own specialty mm -hmm. or they're working in the ER or doing whatever. Yeah. There's so many different specialties. It's a really small corner of this hospital that's doing this child abuse to kids. And most doctors have no idea. So that's a really good benefit of going to these children's hospitals. Even though it's not the best place to have conversations out on the street, it has a different effect. Yeah. Do we know if there's other children's hospitals in America that are performing gender transition surgeries on children? Oh, yeah. This is this is going on every major city in the United States. Yeah. I tweeted out someone's story yesterday. Her daughter, at the age of 17, got a gender-affirming hysterectomy and also had a phalloplasty. So that's when they construct a phallus, and they do that by harvesting tissue from the girl's forearm. Mm. So they cut out all the flesh from the forearm, the nerves, the blood vessels, the fat, the skin, and they construct that into this phallus. And this girl was still 17, and she signed a consent form at 15 for these surgeries mm. because in Oregon, that's the age that they didn't need parental consent. Parental consent for a lot of these surgeries now isn't needed even for 13-year-olds, like Washington State. Girls can get puberty blockers, opposite sex hormones. Boys can get this stuff too. Uh, girls can even get double mastectomies without their parents' knowledge or consent. Using their parents' private insurance plan, the parent will then get the bill for the copay, but the procedure or the drugs will be redacted. So the parents don't even know what they're paying for. This is how insane the world's getting. It's an attack on kids. It's an attack on parental rights to take care of and safeguard our own children. People are losing their children to the state if they don't want to sterilize their own child because they call this gender-affirming care. And they're even passing laws called conversion therapy laws where it's now totally fine to indoctrinate a girl to think she's a boy. But it's not okay to then help her feel comfortable as a girl again. Mm. That's considered conversion therapy. Mm. As though you're trying to convert someone's mystical gender identity. Mm. Wow. Share a little bit about um, what you're seeing in Canada versus America, because you are Canadian, and that's, as you said, where you really started everything with the billboards, but you frequently make trips to the U.S. What are the similarities and differences you see between the two nations? Canada's way further along. It's a much more dire situation up there. This has spread more, especially on the West Coast, but it's everywhere now. All of our Politicians are pushing this. They just unanimously passed a conversion therapy bill, like I was just talking about, where it's now a crime to help your own child feel comfortable. Not one conservative politician will speak up against this. We have no conservative media speaking out against this. All of our three main media sources, CBC, CTV, and Global, all push this as though it's some romantic notion of helping a child to become who they really are. Mm. And to the average person on the street, when they hear all these euphemisms, 
that these gender ideologues use, like gender-affirming care, it sounds nice. What gender-affirming care is involves experimental chemical castration drugs. This drug was literally used on sex offenders and pedophiles in the past to chemically castrate them, and it was approved for prostate cancer and endometriosis in women. It's being used experimentally on these kids. And then cross-sex hormones, like testosterone, for example, with a girl will cause uterine and vaginal atrophy, and she'll have to get her uterus removed whether she wants to or not after four or five years. Sometimes they're removing the ovaries as well, so now they can never produce estrogen for the rest of their life, even if they decide to detransition in the future or go back to declaring themselves their birth sex. I mean, you can't really detransition. The damage is done. Yeah. But now they're lifelong medical patients forever dependent on synthetic hormones, either testosterone or estrogen, whatever they decide to do. We're sending these kids or young women into immediate menopause because that's what happens. There's a hundred side effects there. Mm-hmm. Early onset dementia, osteoporosis, shortened lifespans, greater chance of heart attacks, cancers, kidney, liver problems. A young woman, she's in her 20s, she just messaged me last night. She lives here in D.C. She was rushed to the ER on three different occasions because testosterone was damaging her kidneys. Wow. And she didn't know about all these side effects. This is being presented as some beautiful thing, like it's not a big deal. You just take these hormones, you're going to be a man. And these kids are in a fog. And they're indoctrinated and they're struggling with some comorbidity, depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, autism. Um, Some of these girls have suffered sexual abuse. Guess what? They're not loving being a girl at this point in time. Can you blame them? And they're presented with this out from being a girl. Mm. And what young woman or girl loves puberty? (laughs) It's a tough time. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've run into any women who've ever loved it. (laughs) It's just hard. So now these teachers, these woke teachers are giving them an out. And it's a social contagion. Entire friend groups are transitioning. And they get loved for it. They get love bombed, like in any cult. And I do see this as a cult that has permeated our entire society. And the biggest indicator of that might be how they are treated when they decide to detransition. Because they're given tons of love when they declare that they're trans. But the moment they declare they're not, they're cut off from their community, just like any cult. They're told they were never really trans, even though they're now missing body parts and are infertile and can never have their own family. Through adoption, they can, of course. But this is heartbreaking stuff. And then they're told, oh, they were never really trans. Well, if this was really about helping someone to be who they really are, they should be getting celebrated either way. But they're only celebrated one way when they declare that they're trans because that's all this ideology wants. It wants to trans your kids. So, Chris, what what's your end goal? What's what's your long game here? What's next for you? I just keep going. I say yes to every media interview. I stood on the street for a long time with no support, six, seven hours at a time, standing through Canadian winters, and I was happy just to reach one person at a time because mm-hmm. then they could protect their kids. Yeah. Of course, it's better with media to reach a thousand or a million. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep having conversations. And I'm not going to stop until this child abuse is a thing of history mm. all around the world. Yeah. I'm not going to stop because I feel like this is what I was, what I'm called to do. I've gained, obviously, some knowledge and experience that no one else has. I've 
had more conversations about this with people, everyday people, than anyone else in the world. I've probably had about 8,000 conversations to this point. Wow. So I know all the objections. There's only two or three. And I know how to handle these conversations. And I feel like I'm making a difference. And yeah. That's more important to me than making money. What are those most common objections that you hear from people and what's your response? They'll, they'll say that puberty blockers are reversible. Really? Okay. So it's never good to just um, bang heads with someone. It's best to find some source of agreement. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, okay, well, sure. If a child went on puberty blockers for three months, yeah. not too much harm done, right? Puberty would resume. This is just a sales pitch they use. In practice, 98% of these children that start on puberty blockers stay on them. We know this from gender clinic statistics, like at the Tavistock, where they release this. Then they go on to the next step, which is the opposite sex hormones. You're locking them in. The actual cure for real gender dysphoria, and that's not what these kids have. Most are just caught up in a craze. But historically, if you look at all the academic studies into gender dysphoria, this used to affect boys, one out of 10, 20, 30,000. And when they went through puberty, 80 to 90% of the time, their dysphoria just went away. The cure for gender dysphoria is their own hormones. Now we stop mm. their own hormones mm. from being released naturally in their bodies. And we give them the opposite sex hormones. It's making their dysphoria worse. Because now they're trying to present like the opposite sex and they don't. Yeah. People know. Yeah. And that's a whole new stressor. Whereas if we just left them alone to grow up, they'd grow out of it. Historically, a lot of these boys that were more effeminate and had gender dysphoria, a lot of them grew up to be gay. Now we're sterilizing these kids. Hmm. Their penis doesn't grow. Girls' breasts don't grow. Their hips don't widen. They suffer bone demineralization. A young girl in Sweden just suffered spinal fractures and mm. has osteopenia because she was on puberty blockers for three years. Mm. Twelve other kids at the hospital there suffered catastrophic injuries. And they've stopped this practice there. They stopped it in Finland. England's on their way to stopping it. They just had a devastating inquiry that revealed the total lack of science and lack of proper care for all of these kids. Yeah, They're just putting them on a medical treadmill straight away. First appointment, puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones all the time. You can walk in, a girl here in the United States can walk into Planned Parenthood, walk out half an hour later with testosterone. This shouldn't be happening. And the other objection is that kids will kill themselves if you don't let them transition, mm -hmm. which is a really despicable lie. So again, it is true, and it's good to find some source of agreement. Yes, these children have higher suicidality. So do kids with autism, anorexia, bulimia, personality disorders. It's higher for some of those than it is for this. But with an anorexic girl, if she threatens suicide, we don't say, okay, sweetheart, let's get you that liposuction right away. Mm -hmm. We help her with the various underlying problems that are sure. causing this. It's never one thing that causes a child to feel suicidal. And it's not true that they're all committing suicide either. Yeah, It's just not true. But it's a threat used to coerce parents to go along with this. Parents will be told, you've got two options, mom and dad. You can have a dead girl or a live son. Mm. And a parent who's new to this, talking to the so-called expert at this gender clinic, they're being coerced like this. Of course, they love their kid. Mm -hmm. They want to do the best for their kid. So they'll go along with this. But they're being coerced and they're being lied to. Yeah, yeah. Chris, for those listening who either want to learn more or, you know, they, they want to get more involved, they want to be a support, how can they do that? How can they support? So my website's billboardchris.com. I 
travel around a lot, cost money so they can donate to help me because um, I do this all on my own expense. But really, I just ask people to have conversations. Yeah. They need to get up to speed, get educated, go to Twitter, follow me on Twitter, at Billboard Chris. It can be hard to find me because Twitter's censoring me. They made my account <laughs> adult content. But you'll find my Twitter feed on my website as well. But it's at Billboard Chris. That's where I do most of my stuff. And please just get educated and have these conversations because the landscape is changing fast. Compared to two years ago, we are light years ahead of where we were. So I'm very hopeful. I'm very positive. I know we're going to win this battle. It's just a question of how many kids come to harm before we do. Chris, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Billboard Chris, such a unique individual doing such incredible work on the ground, really in a grassroots way. If you want to learn more, you can check out billboardchris.com. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be right back here with you tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Doug Blair, and Samantha Rank. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.